Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us and we're going to begin. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to open the living word of truth. Lord, I pray that uh, through your word you would open our eyes and our hearts, Lord, to live for you, to trust you, Father. If there's someone here this morning that's never professed faith in Christ, Lord, I pray that you would open up their hearts. I pray that they would realize, Father, the need of a Savior. Today would be the day they would give their lives to Christ. Lord, if there are those here that have been believers for a number of years, I pray that this truth would resonate in their minds and their hearts and their lives. Lord, I pray you would just speak to them. I pray they would hear from you, Father. I pray we would all leave with a better understanding of how to live for you, how to trust you more, how to give for you, Father. I pray you would allow us just to understand your truth and apply your truth to our lives. And Father, as we pray every Sunday morning, I pray through the power of the Spirit as we learn and understand that we would be transformed more and more, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, year by year, into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His perfect name that we pray. Amen. So I started Monday morning, as I do every other Monday morning, with the Bible and the text that I was going to preach, Acts chapter 8, and I opened up and started studying through, praying through, preparing for the sermon as I do every Monday, and I worked all week uh, on a sermon in Acts chapter 8, and I was prepared to preach it, I had it ready to go, and I always spend Saturday nights kind of reviewing and going over and, and praying back through and studying back through and and making some changes. That's kind of what Saturday evenings are for me. And I got it out last night and I started looking at it and and thinking through it and praying through it and I just didn't have a piece about it. And I prayed a little bit more and I didn't have a piece about it and the Lord was kind of drawing my heart to another passage of Scripture. And you ever had one of those times with the Lord where uh, He's saying something that you don't necessarily want to hear? You ever had one of those moments? And you kind of, maybe this isn't the right word, but you kind of argue with Him like, you know, Lord... I'm going to preach Acts 1-8, and the Lord's like, uh, no, you're not. Well, Lord, it's Saturday evening, so you better give me something. He kept drawing my heart to this verse, a verse that I've preached in the past. It's been several years ago, but he kept drawing my heart to this verse, and he kept drawing my heart to this verse, and I'll be honest with you, I came this morning with two sermons after last night, and I still didn't know at 6.30 this morning which one I was going to preach, and I just kind of went in my prayer closet and prayed and came out with something other than Acts 8. It's something I've, I've gone through in the past, and it's a verse we've looked at many years ago. But I just pray that uh, in this process, somebody needs to hear this. I'm just going to trust the Spirit to preach this particular sermon, and we'll let him do with it as he pleases. And I pray that through this passage of Scripture, uh, you'll see the glory of the Lord in your lives and be drawn closer to him. Now, I'm going to get to a verse in just a few minutes uh, that we'll see. That is the wrong verse, first crime. Maybe, maybe the Lord wants to preach a third sermon that I wasn't aware of. <laughs> Boy, I'm really afraid now because I don't know what's in First Chronicles. Uh, so it is true contentment. The title is true contentment, but it's not First Chronicles, although that's a great verse. We'll get there in just a second. So just skip that. I gave you the wrong slide back there. That's my fault. <laughs> Woo. Before I get into the text that I want to read, I want to read from Exodus chapter 17. You don't have to flip there. 
Uh, you don't have to go to Exodus 17. I just want you to listen because I'm going to be talking this morning about the idea of contentment. Thanksgiving is coming. There's so many things to be happy about and be thankful for and joyful. But, but do we as believers, do we find true contentment? Because I think sometimes we miss it. So, so Exodus chapter 17, that the children of Israel had been in, in Egypt. Moses had gone in and brought them out of captivity. Uh, they had wandered in the wilderness together. Uh, good times as they listened to the Lord. Bad times as they stray away from the Lord. And so Exodus chapter 17 verse 1 says this, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. Right. So he's leading them through the wilderness. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So Exodus 17 verse 2, so they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses and they said, now listen to this, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? And Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. And I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock. Water will come out for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now, isn't it interesting how the Lord can provide everything we need and we still find reason to complain? <laughs> and the people of Israel had been rescued from slavery, 400 years of captivity. The Lord brought them out of slavery. He brought them into the wilderness. He provided the route with, with fire at night and, and a cloud of smoke during the day. Moses was leading them. He gave them food. He gave them water. He did everything he needed to do. He provided every moment that they walked, and yet they still found reason to complain and grumble. They, I think, had forgotten the goodness of the Lord. Now, now here's what we do. We, we look at this passage of Scripture, and we say, how in the world... How in the world could these people act like this? How could these people forget the goodness of the Lord? How could they grumble? How could they find reason to complain? And I think that way until I look in the mirror. And I'm reminded, just like you are, we've been given great things. We've got great families, great church. We're, we're blessed with jobs that provide for our families. We have enough food and clothes. We have everything we could possibly want. And yet, for some reason in our hearts, we find the reason at times to grumble, don't we? Now, now this week is a little bit different for us because we set it aside as a time of thanksgiving. It's a time to be with family and friends and, and some time off work and, and to eat a, a lot of good food, maybe to watch a little football. We're, we're looking forward to this week. Things are good. But, it, but in the midst of this week, as we kind of take a step back in our lives as believers especially, I, I want to ask this question and I want to think through this scripturally this morning. Have we found true contentment in our lives? 
Like deep within our hearts, are we really content or have we kind of surrounded ourselves with so much stuff and so many things in life that we pretend to be content while in our hearts we're really not? And so I want to examine the truth of God's Word this morning to try to understand what true contentment really is. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now Philippians was written by Paul, as you're finding the book of Philippians. Let me give you just a little bit of background. I think it's neat that we're going to read Paul this morning because in our study in the book of Acts, Paul's about to take a prominent role. We've been studying about Peter and John. Uh, We studied about Stephen. Now we've seen Philip and his evangelism and all that he's doing. But we remember when when Stephen was stoned in Acts chapter 7 there, the Bible in the beginning of 8, the Bible tells us that the people kind of laid their coats at the feet of of a young man who approved of the stoning, a man named Saul. Now, many of you probably know that Saul is going to become known as Paul. He'll take a very prominent role in the book of Acts. Uh, He writes the majority of the New Testament. And other than Jesus, Paul is probably the best known person in Scripture. Now, if you were just to hear that about Paul, you would think, man, this guy's incredible. Good things happen to him. He must have had an incredible life as the Lord blessed him. And I would say he did have an incredible life. The Lord did bless him. But Paul, and this is what some people don't understand about Paul, Paul had a very difficult life. Very difficult life. In fact, I made just a few notes here of the things that Paul went through. Paul was beaten Paul was stoned and left for dead. He should have died, but the Lord saved him. He was shipwrecked. He was arrested. He was eventually placed in prison and killed for his faith. And yet in the midst of these difficult moments, in the the midst of this difficult life, in the midst of all the struggles of Paul, right? And we're, we're kind of applying this to our lives as we think about our struggles and the things that we go through and the difficulty in our life. In, in the midst of all these things, Paul speaks with, with great truth about the idea of contentment. And so I want to focus this morning in Philippians chapter 4 on verses 10 through 13. The words of Paul, I think we have them on the screen as well. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10, the words of Paul. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. And now that at length you have revived your concern for me, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. In other words, they had been helping him. Uh, They're kind of being reminded of the need to help him and send him supplies for his ministry. Verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. There's the word. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now this entire passage is about contentment. It's about the process of contentment and and learning and growing in our contentment. But there's some truth here I want you to see that we're going to pull out and kind of think through together. Here's the first truth. As you're walking through struggles, as you're walking through tragedies, as you're walking through difficulties, sometimes it's difficult to find contentment. But here's the first truth you need to get. Number one, contentment is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. And if you expect it to, you're going to be disappointed. Look at what Paul says in verse 11. 
Now, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have what? Learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Charles Spurgeon, speaking of the idea of contentment, said it's one of the most rarest but most desirable accomplishments. Paul says, listen, I've been through a lot of difficult things. I've been through a lot of tragedies. I've been through a lot of situations in my life that I wish I could have changed. But in the midst of these tragedies, in the midst of these difficulties, in the midst of all the problems that I've faced, I have learned to be content. Right? There's a process I've gone through to be content. Now, here's what we need to understand about this, and most of us probably get this, but it's a process to find contentment because it's not easy to be content, is it? Have you ever had conversations with your family or, or your children, right? This time of year, Christmas is coming up. <laughs> it's a good time to have a conversation about contentment, isn't it, with our kids? Now, if you just like the toys you had from last year, right? <laughs> we, we say that, and those are the kind of conversations we have, except we oftentimes aren't content ourselves, are we? Moms, dads. Had the opportunity this last week to go to the Georgia Baptist Convention. They meet once a year, and you know, have preachers and go through business and vote and certain things like that. And it was Monday and Tuesday last week. I had the opportunity to go uh, Monday night and all day Tuesday. Jeremy was with me and Philip was with me. And uh, it was at North Metro Baptist in Lawrenceville, which is just a couple of miles from the Mall of Georgia. Well, Tuesday at lunch, they gave us the two-hour lunch break so we could get off campus and eat a bite and get back before they started back in the afternoon. And we rode over to the Mall of Georgia. It was a couple of miles. Ate pretty quickly. Had a chance to walk around for a few minutes. Now, you want to talk about struggling with contentment, walk through the Mall of Georgia. Because there's a lot of nice stuff. So we're walking through the mall, seeing stores. And, and, and we didn't go in any stores except, well, we, we went a couple later. But we'd been walking for probably 15, 20 minutes. Hadn't been in a single store until we walked by the Apple store. <laughs> now, I love my MacBook. I love my iPhone. And we all, well, let's just walk in there and look for a minute, right? Let's just take a look because the iPhone 10 is out, the iPhone X, right? So we walk in there and start looking and, and, and we're playing with it and there's all kind of people around looking. And right down from the, from the iPhone 10 is the, is the new Apple Watch, the Series 3. Have you seen that? Now, I don't even wear a watch. But I convinced myself, I got to have it. I got to have an Apple Watch. <laughs> I mean, who, who doesn't want to talk on their phone? On their, do you know you can do that? You can have a conversation on your phone? You don't have to have your phone with you. It's like on your wrist now. You can speak into it. Uh, you can read emails. You can text people. And the coolest feature, you know, most watches have the little dial that winds, you know, and, and winds the time. That little dial scrolls through web pages. How cool is that, right? So, I mean, I could literally be preaching right here and I could be looking at, I can act like I'm looking at my notes and I would never do that, of course, right? I would never do that. But I just found myself, I had to walk out and I joked with Jeremy as I walked out of the store. Now I've got to convince myself I don't really need this. Now I've got to kind of talk myself out of it right, right, because we, we like stuff. It's hard to be content when we're surrounded by such good things. Now there's, there's nothing wrong with an Apple Watch. And so if you wear one next week, I'm not going to think you're a sinner, right? I don't think that. <laughs> but it's very easy for us not to be content in the world we live in. It's very easy to think nicer and newer and brand new and Christmas and all this stuff. And, and, and Paul just wants us to understand, listen, at some point we need to figure out how to be content where we are. Because if we're not content where we are, we're never going to be happy. Did you know that? You're never going to find real joy because there's always something better. There's always something newer. There's always something nicer. 
And so I want to give you just a, a, a few practical uh, tips or advice that are, that are based on Scripture that will help us be more content. Right? There are four things I want you to understand about being content. Here's the first one. It's a process. How do you walk through the process? Here's the first thing. Recognize that everything you have is a gift from the Lord to be used for His glory. Did you know that? Did you know that you don't actually own anything? I mean, God's given it to you, but you are, a, in the words of Scripture, a steward. Right? You're, you're required to take care of it for a certain period of time because one day we're all going to be gone and all the stuff we have is going to go to somebody else. God has given it to us for a period of time, not so we can amass more and kind of hoard it to ourselves. God has given it to us so we can use it for his glory. And so we start asking ourselves the question, how can I take what I already have and use it for the glory of the Lord? So like, how does my job allow me to bring glory to the Lord? That's a fantastic, very difficult question we all ought to ask on a regular basis. Students, how can you in your classroom bring glory to the Lord? Students, as you're dating your boyfriend, girlfriend, how does the way you respond to that person bring glory to the Lord? Teachers, are we bringing glory to the Lord in the classroom? How can we bring glory to the Lord by the stuff we have? All the things that we have in our lives, all, all the gifts that we've been given, all the ways in which the Lord has blessed us, we ask ourselves the question, how can I use this for the glory of the Lord? That's the first thing, right? So recognize that he's given it to us. Use it for his glory. That will help you be more content. Here's the second thing you can do. Give more of yourself. Right, the scripture talks about serving and pouring out and giving. And I think about all the opportunities just at our church to give and to serve. You, you could serve in preschool, children, students, adult Sunday school. You could be a greeter. You could serve on the, a security team. There are all sorts of ways you can serve. You can serve on a local missions team. We have all sorts of opportunities here just in our community. You can be a foster parent. You could be a safe families parent. You could sign up for a mission trip, spring break. There, there are all sorts of ways you can give of yourself. But I want to read you Isaiah 58. I love this passage of scripture because it speaks of giving of ourselves. I want you to listen to what it says. Isaiah 58 verse 10. Now listen, you've got to follow through this. If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry, right? If you give yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. So if you do those things, then, the scripture says, your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Isn't that interesting? The Bible says, listen, when we pour ourselves out for those that are in need, when we give of ourselves to serve others, the Lord will satisfy us. He will make us uh, uh, like a well-watered garden whose spring never fails. It's just a, a powerful picture of giving ourselves, pouring of ourselves out for the sake of others. The Lord will bless us and use us. If you want to understand contentment, give more of yourself. Here's the third way. Find ways to cut back on the things that you already have. Right, try to live with less. Try to understand the things you have are, are from the Lord and you don't need quite as many things as you think you need. And then fourthly, if you're going to find contentment, we need to all figure out how to trust the Lord more. All right, contentment is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be easy. Even in difficult circumstances, we can do it, but there's a process that we go through. Now, I want you to notice what Paul says. Pull verse 11 back up for me, if you would please. Philippians 4.11. 
He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned, right, there's a process, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Right, so, so the first thing we've seen is that contentment is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. There are very specific things we ought to be doing in our lives. But here's the second truth we need to see. Contentment is possible in every circumstance. Because here's, here's what some of y'all do, right? We talk about contentment and difficulties and you're thinking to yourself, well, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't understand the struggle that I'm facing. You don't understand what I'm going through at home or work or kids or spouse, marriage, whatever. You just don't understand. I'm just saying to you, biblically, Paul says, I've learned, regardless of the circumstance, to be content. Now I want you to notice what he does here because it's interesting in verse 12. Let's go ahead and look at verse 12. He says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret, that's an important word, we'll come back to it in a minute, of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul says it doesn't matter the circumstance. If I can kind of set the things of the world aside and see the things of the Lord, I can be content even in the good times and the bad. That's interesting to me because Paul does something here that I would not have necessarily done. If I were talking about being content in every circumstance, I would probably just mention the bad things. Right? I, I can be content when I'm hungry, uh, when I'm in need, when I've been brought low. But Paul doesn't do that. Right? He gives us all the bad things, the negative things. But in addition to that, he gives us the good things. I also know what it means to be content when I am in abundance, when I have plenty, when I've been brought above. He says I can be content whether in the good things or the bad things. And that brings up a very interesting question. We get being content and the struggle of being content in the bad things. Why does Paul also bring in the good things? Right? Why does he talk about being content even in the good things? Here's what Paul wants us to get. This is very, very important. Sometimes it's very easy for us in the good times to forget about the things of the Lord, isn't it? It's just easy for us, man. If the bank account is full, if there's food in the pantry, if the job's doing really well, if all the things are clicking like we think they ought to, we kind of forget to rely on the Lord, don't we? Because we just kind of start getting to this mindset, if we're not careful, of thinking, look at all the things I've done. Look at all I've accomplished. <laughs> Worked really hard last year, done really well at work, plenty of food, house is in good shape, kids are good, everything's good. And we start, if we're not careful, boasting in our own abilities, don't we? Paul says, man, let's just be very careful. Because whether in good or bad, want or plenty, hungry, abundance, need, we always need to remember that all the things the Lord has given us is for Him to be used for His glory. And we need to thank him, whether it's in the good times or the bad times, and find contentment in him and him alone. That's what Paul wants us to understand. I had the opportunity a couple weeks ago to go to Guatemala, and I came back and I talked a little bit about that trip, training of those pastors. And it's always amazing to me when I go down there because we encounter, and if you've been overseas or or seen this or, or read about it, it's interesting when you encounter people that live on next to nothing. Right, I made a comment a few weeks ago that these, a lot of these people make less in a day than I pay for a cup of coffee at Starbucks. That's true. 
Right, so you go and buy a fancy drink at Starbucks, you pay five or six dollars for that drink. That's less, that's more than a lot of people make in a day down there. That's the world they live in. And it's easy for us to go down there and see what they live in, the abject poverty, uh, the houses with a, a tin roof and tarp oftentimes as a wall, a dirt floor, kids that have less than nothing, very little food. You know, you kind of understand, You, some of you have seen it. It's very easy for us to see those people and, and wonder, how could those people living in that situation ever be happy or find joy or peace and yet it's amazing I meet these pastors that serve in these villages and they're content in what they have and they're truly happy and they truly find joy and I think what an incredible picture a a reminder for me to understand that, that regardless of where we are regardless of what we go through regardless of our circumstances if we'll trust the Lord if we'll trust in his faith in our lives we can find contentment in all things I'm reminded of Philippians chapter 4. If you've got your Bible, look back just a few verses there, verses 6 and 7. Paul says to us in Philippians 4, 6, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If we'll just focus on the Lord and trust Him and spend time in prayer seeking Him, He'll give us a peace that passes all understanding. But I want you to notice what He does in verse 12. Pull verse 12 up for me if you would, please. He says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the, what's the word there? Secret. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. We all like a good secret, don't we? Right? If you want your kids to pay attention to what you're saying, you just talk a little quieter to your spouse, right? And they'll come running. We used to be trained when, when, when we did faith. Those of you who did faith with us years and years ago. If you go into a house, right, and, and the, uh, the kids are loud and the TV's too loud, and you talk in a really low voice and you talk very quiet. Because then they have to really listen, right? They have to turn the TV down and they quiet the kids and so they can hear you, right? Because sometimes when we talk in hushed tones and secretive tones, people want to hear us. Paul says, I've got a secret. I figured out how to be content in all things. But the, the good news about the secret is he's going to give it to us in verse 13. Pull verse 13 up, if you would, for me, please. Here's the secret, right? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What a, what a fantastic verse. Some of us have memorized that over the years. We're, we're familiar with that verse. We understand the verse, but... but Head knowledge and heart knowledge are very different. Understanding it and applying it are very different. Right, so so whatever you're going through, as as we understand this idea of contentment, right, it's a process. Right, we understand we we have to uh, grow into it. It, It's difficult for us uh, to see sometimes God God uses very difficult circumstances in in, in our lives to do that as we rely more on the Lord. And then the the final truth here... Based on verse 13, number three, contentment can only be found through Christ, right? Contentment can only be found through Christ. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's just a word of advice. Whatever you're going through, whatever struggle you're facing right now, you cannot be content in your own strength. You're not strong enough to do it. Only way you're going to find true joy and true peace and true contentment is through Christ. Now, I want to just kind of pick on you for just a minute because I want you to think about this. I want you to be sure you understand, and I'm probably going to offend some of you, and I apologize in advance. But sometimes we think we can find contentment in the things of the world, don't we? 
And we struggle to get the nice new this and the big this and the faster this. And again, I'm not, things aren't wrong. There's nothing inherently wrong with stuff. But I talk about that. I feel like I talk about this like every other week because this is the society we live in. This is the main struggle of believers in America today. We've got so much stuff and we're so blessed and we've gained so many things by the Lord that we begin to find our contentment and our joy and our hope in those things. And that's not healthy, it's not biblical, and it's not going to last. My grandmother lived through the Great Depression. And I used to have this in, just incredible conversations with her. She was married in September of 1929, a month before the stock market crashed. I used to have these incredible conversations with her about life in the Depression and how they didn't have anything and how they had to find their joy in their family and the things of the Lord. And I think, you know, I don't want our country to have to go through that again, but, but something about that just kind of cries out to me. That's a better model. That's a healthier place to be. We get so caught up in stuff and we think that all these things are going to help us feel better and we think that all these, these things that we can purchase and the, and the money and, and all those things that we, we crave so desperately, we think we're going to find joy in those things and it's just not the case. Paul says, listen, if you want to experience true contentment, if you want to experience true joy, you need to find it in Christ. I, I bet none of us have ever been as hungry as Paul was. Ever. And yet he found contentment in Christ. None of us have ever been stoned. (laughs) Yet he found contentment in Christ. None of us, I bet, have ever been shipwrecked. Yet he found contentment in Christ. None of us have ever been arrested for our faith. Yet he found contentment in Christ. On and on the list goes, not because of his own strength or his own ability, but because he found contentment and hope and peace in Christ alone. And I thought, you know, what, what if we could be content with the things the Lord has given us? What if we could just be content with the things the Lord has given us? I I wrote three things down here. I want you to hear these. If we could be content in the things of Christ, people wouldn't get themselves into huge, unmanageable debt because they would be just content with what they've been given. If we could be content in the things of Christ, people wouldn't leave churches because they'd be content with the church they're in. If we could be content in the things of Christ, people wouldn't have affairs because they would just be content in their marriages. On and on the list goes. We look for contentment in the wrong places. Paul says there's a secret, but I'm giving it to you right here. It's found in Christ. If you want to experience true contentment this holiday season, Thanksgiving and into Christmas and into next year and the years following, put your faith and hope in Christ and Christ alone. Draw near to him Trust Him, seek Him where He may be found, and allow Him to do incredible things through you for His honor and for His glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word. It's clear and understandable and and, and compelling and challenging. We thank You for what You've given us and what You've shown us. Allow us to understand contentment, Father. Allow us to be content in our lives, to trust You more, to deepen our faith in You. Father, I pray you do all things through your power in our lives, Lord. We love you and we trust you and we serve you in all things. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Stand with us. The altar is open. You can come and pray. You can come speak to me. This is an opportunity for you to respond as we sing together. You come this morning. Thank you for joining today's sermon. 
We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.